In today's episode, we are talking about chapters three, four, and five of Habits for Holiness, and we are going to dive into creating a Catholic culture, living a life of simplicity, and learning to respond to the cries of the poor. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us once again on Life Beyond the Chariot. This week, we're diving into part two with uh, Habits for Holiness. We're continuing our Advent series. Um, But before we get to that part of the conversation, just a reminder that if this podcast is something that you have enjoyed, uh, that you should, we invite you to leave us a rating if you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts or really subscribe to the St. Philip Institute um, YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. Yeah. Yeah, some good stuff coming next year. But how are you doing, Mickey? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing good. You know, into the Advent season, and I did much better planning. Um, So it has felt a little bit more peaceful and calm. Good. Um, Yeah, and I've just really enjoyed reading this book. It's definitely helped me to refocus on intentionality. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. me, so I'm excited to dive into these next me too. chapters. Yeah. Me too. This is this has been a really good um, book as far as like the practical side of growing in holiness because sometimes it's really good to just have somebody kind of take you by the hand and say, "Do these things. <laughs> Focus yeah. on these uh, things for yeah for the next little bit." Because as the year ends and we're we're starting a new year, and then before we know it, Lent will be here. <laughs> So the church just gives us these beautiful liturgical seasons to really think and pray about um, how we can continue to draw closer to to the Lord. So this week we're talking about chapters three, four, and five, um, and the first one being Catholic culture and liturgical living more than patches. Um, and one of the things that I really appreciate about um, this particular chapter um, with Father Mark Mary is um, this idea that our faith should affect everything mm-hmm. because it's so easy to compartmentalize um, our Catholicism. Yeah. Like Catholicism is something that I do on Sunday or it's just during my prayer time, but really that it should be something that actually transforms the way that we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he starts off with this quote by um, Frank Sheed and he says, Something along the lines of like, Catholics today don't have Catholic minds so much as worldly minds with Catholic patches. Mm -hmm. And I love the example that he used, probably because I have a sweet tooth, but he uses the example of chocolate chips. I like that. (laughs) And um, he says, is our Catholic faith like leaven mixed in and giving life to every aspect of what we do, what we say in our approach to the world, or is it more like chocolate chips baked into a cookie? They're there. They're substantial and you can see them, but many parts of the dough have not been touched by them. So in this case, like we don't want to be chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> you know, we want to be like leavened bread. And that just really stood out to me because like you said, like creating this culture, um, like a family culture, um, our life as as Catholic Christians, um, it is really should affect everything. Mm. Uh, and I wrote a, a little note that that's kind of scary, that every single aspect of my life 
should never go untouched by my faith, mm. by Jesus, yeah. and to always keep that in mind. Um, you know how we spend our time, how we spend our money, um, how we engage in relationships, uh, choices that we make, things mm. that we think. You know, I mean, there's so much in here, and so absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, I really like that, and I think one of the things that comes to mind is like this idea of evangelization that it's it's not even so much like it's really good that we are catechized and we know our faith and we we know all the apologetics and ins and outs of the catechism all of that but if our Christian Catholic faith is something that affects every aspect of what we are if we are um, if we're if we're not the chocolate chip cookie and we <laughs> and we are love and bread, um, that people will see that, um, and it will it will not only affect the relationships that we have with each other, like as a family, but mm-hmm. also in the world in which we live. And the world needs that that needs yeah. that witness of joy. So. Yeah, and I think too we we need to be living in that witness mm. of joy. Like I just feel like there's so many things. Um, that we're, I don't want to say missing out on, but not really giving an intentional look at, you Mm. know, as far as our, um, there's not much we can do to control the culture that the world sets before us, but there is, especially as parents, there, like that's our role is to create the culture of our family. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we have absolute power over that, right? Um, on what we allow into our home, what we choose to focus on. And so just sitting with the question, like, have I allowed my faith to permeate every aspect of my life, um, every aspect of my family's life? Um, and how to do that, you know, not with like a rigid, like dictatorship kind of mentality, but as Something like, hey, we do this because it is it brings us joy. Mm-hmm. And does it actually bring us joy? And I think that's something that we as individuals need to look like. Am yeah. I joyful in living out, like allowing my faith to transform me and to change me? Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I think it's on page 43, uh, talking about culture as a greenhouse. There was one line in particular that that really struck me with this that kind of connected to what you were saying we're trying to live holiness in the midst of the world and our experience in the world may harm what god is trying to grow within us like if we are so consumed by the outside how are we going to make space for what god is trying to do within our homes within within our individual selves um and yeah, just being receptive um, to that. And also thinking about like, what type of culture are we building up? Because I think it can, I wonder if it can kind of go to two extremes. We've got the one side where it's very worldly and we kind of mm-hmm. let the worldly things in and we let um, society really dictate like, oh, well, as a parent, these are the things that you should be doing. Um, and that really leaves the faith element out of it. But on the other side, too, sometimes I feel like, um, maybe this is just me, but sometimes I feel like as Catholics, sometimes we can build up a culture around individual people, Mm -hmm. like just following a particular person and that person not being our Lord Jesus Christ, um, but that we're so drawn to just one person that um, that we forget that that it's Jesus. It it it's it's not one particular person or one particular I, ideal or even um, uh, community, but that it is 
it's Christ that's at the center of that mm-hmm. culture and that he's the one that we should be pursuing, I mean, relentlessly, um, but not looking to people. Because sometimes um, if we look to a person um, to to determine like the, the Catholic culture that we're going to be living in, ultimately I think we're going to be disappointed yeah. in the end because that person is human mm-hmm. <laughs> or those people are human. Um, and... Uh, that that Christ really has to be the one that's at the the center and the foundation of of everything that we're that we're doing there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, keeping in mind when we're talking about creating a, a family culture, like this is the this should be something that um, parents discern mm-hmm. and pray about. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, guide me, because every. I mean, all of it, right, should be centered on Jesus and the teachings of the church. Yeah. But sort of how the character, kind of like when you think of like religious communities, um, there's all different kinds of charisms and God calls mm-hmm. us to something. I think the same thing for a family, like there's certain charisms that are going to just come from your family and that God wants to breathe into your family. And um, and it's our job as parents to to be open and to be in constant discernment on what is God calling me to? And so focusing on that, uh, and yeah, we can look to individuals to maybe help us in that process. But like mm-hmm. you said, being fixated on like a person mm-hmm. other than Jesus Christ right. and his church, um, that that can just sort of give us, I think, sometimes a narrow mm-hmm. view. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with this idea of um, of, of culture, I, I really liked how he moved into looking at our relationships, the relationships that we have with one another within the family, but also with those around us and specifically <clears throat> through things like spiritual conversations. Like how are we having these types of conversations with our children um, and knowing that if we do that, that I mean, that's a, that's an effective way of passing on the faith is like talking about what we believe, um, praying together, of course. I think we all know that, that we're yeah. all, we're supposed to pray together, <laughs> um, but maybe making it more intentional, um, the beginning and end of our day, and then even setting goals together. Um, setting goals as as couples, but also even just as a family, like where are we, where do we wanna be, where are we headed, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think too, and I don't know if I just think this way because I taught high school for so long, but by the time I got them in high school, there was they were so touched by the culture, mm. um, and it permeated so much. You mm-hmm. know, especially with technology, it definitely helps in being more in tune to what's going on and worldly things. And I think one of the things is, is understanding for ourselves and for whoever else we have relationships with is that our lives they should be radically different yeah. than than the culture and i mean not to be radically different just to be radically different right. but knowing that that jesus and the teachings they are different you know they um love of god first above all else love of neighbor um detachment from sin not giving into temptation selflessness and not selfishness i mean there's and we the list could go on and on and so i just think explaining that um, to the people in our care or even the people in relationships with like this is really important mm. to me and um, and it's gonna affect everything you know and so one of the things that he had talked about like um just really thinking like does my life look different because i'm following the teachings of jesus from what i watch on tv mm. to what i listen to right. and i think the reason i really focus on that is because that was almost 
always the distraction for my students Mm -hmm. is the latest new Netflix, whatever, um, and music. And that was the one thing. And this is how I knew they were super attached to it. That was the one thing they're like, nope, can't get, I could never go without music for Lent. Do you know what I mean? Or I could never not watch the series. And so the attachment to those things, like, so what are they, um, and what are we allowing ourselves to spend our time on? Um, Social media, are we understanding the cry of the poor, which is what we'll get into Mm -hmm. a little bit later. Um, How do we spend our money, our conversations? What do we spend our time Mm -hmm. talking about? Reading, studying, you know, I mean, just everything. Right, right. Anyway, sorry, I kind of backtracked a little bit. No, no, that's really good. That's really good. And I guess just kind of wrapping up with, with chapter three, he talks about living liturgically and some very practical suggestions there um, and thinking about I mean I love being Catholic so much <laughs> and, and I love the liturgical um, year that she gives us and and just these opportunities to to really reflect on holiness this, these, these opportunities to draw closer to the cross because we can become complacent it's very easy mm-hmm. to fall into a rut but that the church constantly calls us back um, and, and that's a beautiful thing and then of course like we have said multiple times that one of the best parts <clears throat> of this book is just the very the, the practicality. So taking the next best step, really thinking, okay, what if this is a this is a spiritual oh yeah, sorry, this is a spiritual life, and so it's a real journey. It's a pilgrimage. So we're not gonna figure everything out overnight. Mm-hmm. And it means that at different parts of the journey, God may be calling us to different ways of building up that culture yeah. um, within our homes, our workplaces, etc. cetera. Um, but to take it little by little, which is a very <clears throat> refreshing thing. Um, and I think really for, for Catholic families especially, what is one way that we can really start living our lives more liturgically and really plugged in? I know for our family, this Advent, this has been one of the first times where I've really felt like my kids are really tuned into, oh, we got an, we got an Advent wreath and that there are different meanings to the candles and things like that. So we, we may not be doing all the smells and bells <laughs> or like all the, the Catholic Pinterest things, but we're tuned in in this way. And so that's, I think I feel like that's giving us confidence to kind of move into the next liturgical season. Yeah, I agree. I, I spent a little bit of time just focusing on, okay, what are like the two like feast days? Cause that's something that we're not really great at doing at my house is celebrating feast days. And so, um, I picked two during Advent. I was like, we'll do St. Nicholas. Um, and then we'll do our lady of Laredo. Nice. Um, because Raider is where Our Lady grew up. And so instead of making a, a typical gingerbread house, yeah. we're going to make a a gingerbread house for Mary, yes. you know? That's and awesome. I think that it's great to, I don't want to always be that mom who's always like Catholicizing everything because yeah. I don't want to be like, oh, here she goes on her, you know? Because <laughs> I do think there's just like some fun and silliness that can happen. Yeah. But I was like, you know, they just enjoy making something and then to tie that to something religious. So those are the things that we're doing. But Beautiful. it can be overwhelming. But taking the time to plan, like, okay, if we just celebrate one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, and, and this is something um, that we do um, at the beginning of every year is we'll pick a saint for the year. There's mm-hmm. like a oh yeah, a the random, Saint Name Generator, yeah, yeah, Saint Name Generator. And so what we try to do is celebrate that saint's feast day. So we get a saint for each person in the family, and then if I, if that's the only thing I do, or if we just do one. 
<laughs> it's better than what we've that's done in awesome. the past. But yeah. Good. Good. No, that's awesome. All right. So, and I know you had mentioned um, detachment, and I think that that flows really well into um, chapter four. So simplicity, the Christian call to contentment. And um, I'm really glad that there <clears throat> was this discussion on detachment and letting go and then of course with the the following chapter talking about you know how are we um how are we serving the poor um and that we we have an attraction to simplicity especially in um the culture now he talks about how millennials have been really uh, drawn to like minimalism Mm -hmm. and like the Marie Kondo um way and just this we know that there is part of us that knows that stuff is not going to make us happy. And yet, we, and yet, <laughs> and yet I have Amazon Prime on my phone and it's, it, I mean, it feels good to be able to say, oh yeah, I need that thing. I forgot order and it's there in two days. Oh my goodness. And God forbid it should take three days to get there. So, um, but like this on demand culture that we can really get fixated on, especially at this time of year, mm-hmm. um, Marketing is a is a lucrative business because because yeah. <laughs> everybody needs it, right? Right, <laughs> right. and they want to create that that um, that desire. But yeah, that the on page fifty four, one of the the big things that I underlined was there is a pearl of great price, and it is worth all you've got. Intimacy with the heart of God, and that really mm-hmm. struck me because it's like, do I recognize that intimacy with God is the most important thing? in my life mm-hmm. that there is nothing more there's nothing more important than that even with all of the stuff and things to do and all of that that is worth sacrifice and letting go of of whatever else may be important to have union with the heart of of our lord um yeah yeah no one of the things that um that he said was just the idea of contentment. And in the back of the book, they have um, a, uh, what is it? I'm trying to look. A contentment check for mm-hmm. the lady. So just going through those questions. And I think sometimes, especially, I don't re- necessarily remember being this way before I had kids, but since I had kids, and life just gets busy and every day is different because, mm-hmm. well, you know, they have free wills and unpredictable. and um, But I think in all of that, like, in a sense, reacting to just what life brings with little ones is that I have allowed myself to lose focus of just doing this sort of reality check Mm. um, often, Mm. um, often enough for it to be like, okay, I, this is something that I need to do or something I need to detach from, or, you know, we may not need all of this stuff for our kids. Mm. And that's just been something that was really helpful to me um, and realizing that we can absolutely be happy and at peace with much less. And probably if we had much less, then we would start to see that there's a lot of freedom and peace that comes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And some of the things that he, um, I loved how he talked about, like with detachment, he said, it's not just letting go of lesser things, but like you were talking about intimacy with God. Um, it's also that we can attach ourselves to something better mm. and a higher good. And ultimately mm-hmm. the highest good is mm-hmm. Christ. So I just really appreciated 
putting that into oh, yeah. context. Yeah, on page 57, I, I just liked how direct he was, where he says, you know, if I don't choose to be content with what I have, I'm going to trade my contentment, my peace, for very, very little. Mm-hmm. We do have to choose contentment to intentionally allow our reason to speak to our juvenile passions with some tough love. Quiet down, you don't need it, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep, I probably need to put that on a sticky note right. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to think, like, and I just want to share this story because it had a, a huge impact in my life. Well, when I tend to read things like this, my initial response is to go to the extreme. Mm. You know, we need to sell everything that we have, <laughs> live in a tiny home, yeah. ha- you know. And it's okay to have nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also knowing that, like, am I attached to it or am I detached to it? Like, mm-hmm. um, one year I was doing, one summer I was doing this, like, pro-life, pro-life mission trip across the United States. And... We had been walking through like the desert of like um, <laughs> the West until we got to El Paso and we were hot and my team was tired and we just had tension in the team because when you're with each other all the time and you're hungry and you're tired, <laughs> you know. And there was this sweet family in El Paso. I remember exactly where we were. I don't remember their last name though, but I, they did, they had a nice home, but they could sense that there was tension in our group. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they said, they gave us all water guns. And they're like, have fun. And we're like, but we're in your house. And they're like, okay. <laughs> they're like, everything that we have is for the Lord. Oh. And so I'm not recommending that you should just allow your children to have water fights in your home. But I think what struck me so much about this family is even though they had a nice house, like they were housing 12 college students who were smelly from walking across the country. But they recognized like, okay, they need some silliness to occur mm-hmm. and it's okay if we get water on our couch. Like they seem to be in tune with it's water, it will dry. Um, this is kind of what they need. Yeah. And I remember like that moment was the time that I really remember having like fun with mm-hmm. my teammates, you mm-hmm. know, that it was anyways, but their detachment from their stuff, even though they had nice things, it was just like, it's all the Lord's. Mm-hmm. And if God is calling us to give away our couch or give away our couch, you know? And so it was just, that stuck with me. Like, that's what detachment means is like, it's okay. If God calls me to use what I have Mm -hmm. for something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? And do we make space for, for God to use those things? Like, do I, do I think of my stuff, my home, um, do I think of it as this place that that should really be at the service of my domestic church and mm-hmm. those that I welcome into it? I know we've talked about hospitality yeah. in, in other episodes, but that's no, that's a really good, good way to approach it. No, I love it. I love it. Um, that he's moving towards, um, you know, this love for the poor. And I like that he kind of lays a foundation for this um, in the in, in chapter four, but really just saying it very directly like we need to hear the cry of the poor and god loves joyful givers but he also loves but also giving gives joy mm-hmm. um that sometimes i think there can be this fear i know i mean just speaking from for myself like this fear of well if i detach too much or we're we're not going to have enough to function or mm-hmm. or life is going to be more difficult but it's like it's making space, just making space for the Lord to to be present. Because if my my life is so full of stuff where I'm so fixated on things being a certain way or um, making sure that my material needs are met, 
And there's never a, a discernment or a conversation about like, okay, well, what is God calling me to give back to him? Mm-hmm. Um, we're missing such a, a, a big opportunity there to, to attach more intimately to Jesus. Yeah. I, what, the transfiguration is probably one of my favorite stories in scripture. And I've never really thought about it the way that he mentions mm-hmm. it in this book. But he says, mm-hmm. remember that it was on top of Mount Tabor, away from the common comforts and challenges of everyday life, that Jesus was transfigured, revealing his glory to his apostles. There's something in that for us. If we want to truly see the beauty of God, if we want to fall deeply in love with him in a way that is intimate and profound and fulfilling, it will be in part the fruit of a simpler life, you know, of, of going up to the mountain away from the comforts of everyday life. And I just never really thought about that that way. And it's just good to remember um, attaching from those things to more attached to eternal realities yeah. and to really see the glory of God and like what he's doing in my yes. life. So Yes, absolutely. The practical tips at the end of, of this chapter are, again, very solid. Um, but I mean, think about thinking about, you know, be careful what we look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're constantly scrolling through Facebook, Facebook is not dumb. And I know there's our phones like listen to us or <laughs> it's great. <laughs> whatever. It's it? really it's kind of creepy sometimes. Um, but to like be having these conversations about like, oh, yeah, we should look into getting this thing. And then all of a sudden there's five ads on <laughs> your Facebook feed for for that particular thing. Um, but really to, to be careful at what we look at, because right now, especially it's like, well, you want you want your children's Christmas to be super magical. You have to have this toy Um, or you need to do this thing. Um, But really being discerning um, about uh, about that. Um, Also, just really practical things like shopping with a list, um, making a budget and doing that contentment check that's um, in the back of the book. And and the I think the friars do it quarterly, so four times yeah. a year. Um, and January would be a really great time to start to, to start that. So. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. There's some questions that'll just, I put lots of bomb questions. Like they yeah. just drop bombs. I'm like, oh, I need to, I never really thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really good. That's all right. Radically different lives. Right? That's what we're shooting for. Exactly. Exactly. So moving to this, this final chapter for this section. So chapter five, and I think I found this chapter probably more challenging because, um, so he's talking about love for the the poor. And um, I really like that he says, this chapter is my attempt to bring the poor to you, right to your door, right into your homes, and to remind us all of how intrinsically a part of our mission and the nature of the church it is to love and serve the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, my my initial reaction is like, well, I'm clothing the naked and feeding <laughs> the hungry on a daily basis in Casa Johnston. Um, <laughs> Like, how can I even have the mental space to yeah. to think about folks outside of my the the four walls of my home? Um, but i I love how he unpacks this that, you know, we're we have a real responsibility and a real duty to respond to the promptings and workings of the Holy Spirit in our mm-hmm. hearts and lives in a way that is proactive and even sacrificial. Um, And if we're not loving the poor, this is on page 69, if we're not loving the poor, it's not surprising that the rest of the world has doubts about the existence of God or the nature of God. Mm. Um, And that like we, it's such an opportunity um, to, 
it's such an opportunity to love in a, in a very concrete way. Um, but I like how he guides us in this chapter about like, okay, well, how, what might that look like in, yeah. in different ways? Yeah. And he definitely speaks the truth on how important it is, you know, like, um, like sort of what, echoing what you said, um, if Christians are not responding, then who will? Mm. Like if Christians aren't responding to the God who teaches us mm -hmm. um, to give and to help and to serve, mm -hmm. and he says everything's not going to be okay mm -hmm. because we are called to, and this is what's so great about God, right? He, he freely of his own will invites us to work with him um, in his ministry. Yeah. He doesn't need us, but he asks us to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have an obligation, a real responsibility to respond to those promptings of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and what God is calling us to. And um, yeah, it was just really like, for me, eye-opening of like, okay, I should uh, really look at, is that something that we've dedicated as a family, like to really just discern like, what are we supposed to do? Because there's so many things. Mm -hmm. I, and I think that's what the, what it is. And he mm -hmm. even mentions this in here is that we can be moved with a desire, mm -hmm. like something prompts us like, okay, yeah, we have got to like help out. Yeah. But then um, if, if there's not a way to immediately um, fulfill that desire to want to help, that sometimes it can get lost or yeah. we just don't know where to go yeah. or what to do because there are so many options. Yeah. Um, yeah. that it can be kind of overwhelming, I think. At least yeah. for me, overwhelming, like, there's so many poor. Like, there's right. so many people who are in need of help. Where to begin? Yeah. 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 I've noticed that... So when we when we go to Walmart um, on the Loop and 31, um, when you go to the, the stoplight, almost always there is someone standing on the side of the road with a sign that says... Um, like hungry or looking for work or something like that. And um, I was driving with my kids uh, and, or maybe it was just Alexandria, my oldest, and she asked, she was trying to read the person's sign and I was so struck by the fact that Alexandria was like looking at the person. She really wanted to figure out like, well, what does that person need? And in my mind, I'm like, how often do I just like, I don't have money, I'm not even like, I'm just gonna look to the left because I need to see oncoming traffic so I can make my left turn. Um, but she she started asking questions like, well, what, what does that person need? How do they, why are they doing that? And I explained, you know, they're, they're looking for help and she's like well you know maybe next time we're here maybe we can we can do something and it and it struck me in that moment that like our kids are paying attention mm -hmm. they're paying attention to how we respond and I know that not everybody not everybody can stop and um, I'm really bad about having cash on me or I know some people will do things like keep snacks in their mm -hmm. cars and um, and it just it made me think for the first time like okay well how could we respond in a better way to this um, and I have I mean I have memories of my dad um, before he was ordained a deacon um, he would work in downtown Memphis sometimes or be walking and he would connect with folks he'd buy people lunch and and I I remember being struck by that. So when he entered into a ministry of service, the diaconate, it made sense, followed like his yeah. witness, like he, he has a heart for, for service. And I mean, if, if our children aren't going to learn that from us, mm -hmm. where are they, are they going to learn it from? But even just the dignity of recognizing the dignity of the person in front of us, 
um, if we do encounter the poor like face to face, like how do we respond to that? Do we turn the other way because I don't have time to deal with that right now? Um, or do I take a moment to at least recognize the humanity of yeah. the person in front of me? Yeah, I'm terrible at having cash on me. I never have cash on mm-hmm. me. So if I don't have anything, then I'll tell the kids, okay, let's say a prayer for them. Yeah, that's you know, so yeah. that's something that we can do. Yeah. And then one of the things that we used to do is we used to have um, blessing bags. Mm. And so um, we just went shopping and just got non-perishables and put them in the bags. And we just kept them in our car. Mm-hmm. Uh most of them in the back seat, and then, you know, like two or three in the front. So then if we ever saw it, we just like pass the bag. Yeah. Um, and that was a great way because it was always on our mind. We were always prepared yeah. if something were to happen. Nice. And then we moved and, you yeah. know, life just got crazy. So I think I'm, I think we need to do that. Yeah. Reinstate the blessing there bag. Um, but you know, and one of the things that he mentions is I think sometimes, um, he mentioned like, what are some of those things that might keep us from mm-hmm. helping? Oh, his section on like, sometimes we just pass judgment. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them money cause they're just going to go use it for, use it for whatever else. What, yeah. And, oh man, I'm just going to read this. It was so powerful. He says, don't forget <laughs> like you and I, we have a savior and you and I have been loved with a love of mercy. That love has come down to us and picked us up and pulled us out of the difficulties, the destruction, the chains with which we have chained ourselves by our own sins. You and I are the recipients of a merciful love and not a condemning love. Mm. And then he calls us to do the same. Uh, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Mm. And for me, I thought that was so powerful because sometimes one of the initial thoughts that come into our mind is like, oh, are they going to use what I'm giving them well? Well, then when you put it in this light, like there are many times where I have not used the grace of God well, and he freely pours it into my life. And for me, that was a wake up call. Mm. Um, And it's such a great point and something to remember is that I have wasted the goodness that God has poured into me and yet he does it anyways, you know? Mm. And so for me, like my first thought should not be, "Mm, I don't know if they're (laughs) going to use it properly. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. Uh, And part of it, just giving without reserve is just part of allowing our own heart to grow. You know, they may not use it properly. They may not. But what it does for us and our soul is it allows us to love more like Christ. So I don't know, that was something that really spoke to me. No, that's that's beautiful. And on that same page, and I, I do want to mention, I know we're, we're kind of wrapping up. There are several stories in this chapter that are very moving that just examples from Father Mark Mary's life where he talks about these encounters with the poor and how it was really like this eye opening um, moment. But one of the reflection questions um, in that section on passing judgment th- I really felt like I need to sit with this one. How deeply do I live from the truth that I have been loved with a merciful love, a saving love? And I mean, like really sit with that because if if I am secure in that fact that I am deeply loved by the Father and that that is the pearl of great price and that I that that Christ has given everything for me, 
that should transform how I see everyone else. Yeah. Um, if I recognize the great mercy that God has has um, given me in my life, that should totally transform the way that I function <laughs> in the world. Um, but at the end of the chapter, he says, loving the poor, it is possible, it is necessary, it is beautiful. It reveals the Father to the world, and it, re- re- it reveals the Father to us. Um, so I'm so grateful that this is something that was included um, in this particular chapter, um, or just in the, I mean, in the whole book that that this call to to loving, it's not just about me and Jesus. It's about me. It's about us and and Jesus. Mm-hmm. How are we loving um, others well? So yeah, yeah. and like, you know, like we've we've reiterated this numerous times, but like it's about taking that next step mm-hmm. and discerning that is going to take our time and our prayer, but just to leave people with, you know, what are ways that our gifts can serve the poor? What are ways our talents Mm -hmm. and our resources can be given to the poor? So just spend some time, and I'm gonna do this for myself, spend some time brainstorming ideas, Mm -hmm. bringing it to God and just like, okay, Lord, how do you want me to do this? Yeah, what are you calling me to? Be a neighbor next door who you know, who needs help with a water bill. Exactly. I don't know, whatever it is. There's so many, there's so many ways, but just, you know, carving out time to sit and pray at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to move you into action. Amen. Amen. No, I love it. I God, love there's it. so much good stuff in here. I feel like we could go on forever. No, I love it. If you're part of the Life Beyond the Chariot Facebook group, we invite you to, to post there. Let us know how um, or what you're receiving from the book or, or what you're, yeah, how, how this is helping um, your spiritual journey. What are you taking away from it? Are you doing this with um, a group? We'd love to hear if, if others are discussing this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got two more sections, very exciting episodes ahead. Yep. And uh, yeah, this has been a, a really good way to to head towards Christmas if you're listening to this during the Advent season. But yeah, just a, a really good um, foundation for heading into the new year. Yeah, so, absolutely. Awesome. Oh, this oh. is always so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, let's end with prayer. Right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of yourself. Thank you for calling us closer to you. Lord, we ask that you... Help us to quiet ourselves, um, especially in this season, um, that you help us to detach from those things that are not from you so that we can make room for others, that we can make room for what you are wanting to do in our lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.